Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for September 13th, 2021. Featuring poet Don Lunsinger leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic. Formerly held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill, we've been hosting the Yop virtually via Zoom during this annoyingly ongoing pandemic. Hey, get vaccinated! For more information, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Stella Lee, Yana Kane, Cassidy Gabriel, Todd Friedman, Seth Leeper, Kim Barkey, Sharon DeYoung, Navila Nahid, Harvey Sauce, Rita Simmons, Madeline Phillips, Danielle Gasparo, Will Kiever, Rosa Smith, Jasmine Bindra, Frank Rubino, Samantha Marin, Lisa Catcher, and last but not least, Arthur Russell. So, let's get right to the action, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for September 2021. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Broken Poets Yop. Uh, for the open mic portion of the event, uh, I hope you enjoyed your break. Got a snack. <laughs> I had like nine potato chips <laughs> and uh, got a little bourbon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thought I had more to say than that, but I don't. Uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, I am Jason Koo. I will be emceeing the open mic tonight. Uh, before you see uh, our professor for tonight, Don Lunsinger, and our feature reader, you'll be hearing from Don in a second, and uh, Jay Easton, our office manager, along with the uh, illustrious poets we'll be reading tonight uh, for open mic. Thanks, Jessica. I appreciate, saying, appreciate you saying that bourbon is an excellent choice. I hope the rest of you have equally good taste. If you don't like bourbon, you probably drank mezcal like Don, uh, and that's fine. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I think I just have a few announcements to uh, tell you what's happening during the open mic, because not everyone is uh, a YAWP regular. Uh, if you don't know, we record the YAWP open mic every month uh, as a podcast. Uh, we've continued to do this on Zoom. Uh, of course, uh, we publish the podcast as the YAWPcast every month, usually a couple of weeks after the open mic concludes. Uh, you can subscribe to that on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, if you could uh, leave us a five-star review, that would be even better than subscribing uh, because that will help more people find the posts that are reading for the open mic. We also vote for Poem of the Month at every uh, yop, and that is by audience vote. And the way to do that is to text me. I'm going to put my number in the chat in one second. It is 718-374-1953. This is my uh, Brooklyn Poets phone number that I, I rarely check. So if you've been, uh, it's always funny, every month I, it's like I check my messages again and I see some people have texted me like two weeks ago. Uh, but uh, if I don't respond to your text, just email me at kuatbrokenpoets.org. I'll be sure to see that. Uh, but to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-3741. Oh, I just typed in the wrong freaking phone number. Hold on a second. 
disregard the earlier message. <laughs> what am I doing? 718-374-1953. You can tell how often I use this phone now. All right, 718-374-1953. Uh, vote once. <laughs> you can vote for yourself. If you are reading tonight, that's fine. Don't, don't be shy about it. Uh, the winners of Yacht Poem of the Month over the course of the year face off for Poem of the Year honors. In December, uh, we have tentatively scheduled our awards gala in December for December 13th. Uh, I think it will stay on that day. That is a Monday. We were contemplating other dates. And then uh, my wife started looking at tickets to Brazil and was like, the best flight prices are on December 14th, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we're leaving on December 14th and the awards gala is going to be on, a, on December 13th. Uh, but if we do it virtually, who knows, but uh, I would prefer to do it in person. So I'm working on trying to set that up in person. Uh, but again, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Uh, hopefully things are getting better. It seems like it possibly, I don't know, uh, it seems to be leveling off, but, uh, you know, we don't know what's going on with this thing and just, oh yeah, this country, uh, I don't really need to tell any of you this. So we will see what happens, uh, but stay tuned. Um, okay, uh, that is all. We're going to screen share the text of the poems of the readers tonight. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Dawn to uh, read her poem. All right. Forage. Before barbed wire, it was easy to walk away from cruelty and hunger, to move like wind over the nearly uninhabited earth, bursting with fruit, the wheezing of deer, mushrooms expanding inside of wet nights, trout gliding knives downstream but cutting nothing, to the next best thing, forage and forget. There is nothing primal about hoarding, about the anonymity of faces in houses, about the stress of holding on to clout, to brandishing. Now every prostitute knows how to simulate a prostitute, make idios in motel darkness. Nobody speaks of the wildness of farmers. Someone somewhere eating deep fried songbird and Jenny talking to the stuffed parrot hanging in her cage, winding the alarm clock she keeps in a basket because she does not own a watch and birds twitter in the skull of her hedge because the children and their little feet running over every blade are terrifying. Though at least one of those children feels suffocated by the sadism of normalcy, knocks on her door to be near the beauty of foible to see her hands hold chocolate bars like hymn books, to begin to imagine that the codifiers will not win the compliment of haunting by way of the violence of conclusion. His mother gasps when the football players on the television fall down because she hates when they fall down, because she has known great loss, it does not make sense to replicate it, even playfully. She gasps as humans do when witnessing everyday obliteration or when hurtling their bones into one another during sex or conflict, swoon or wince, inescapable cry at the origin of the storied world, prior to money, but not desire, and water and tongues carrying through with it, inescapable heart and pubis of darkness, wherever you touch the story, it is not nice. Our journey began in leisure and pleasure. Famine is a function of fields that belong to someone, the rape of states untruth that conceals the rape of individuals with telephones and the saddest jello molds, a ghost like Yates for every decade to teach us to again walk through. Okay, okay, damn good. 
uh, I guess you wanted to start us off right. That was freaking awesome. Uh, deep fried songbird. I don't think I'm going to recover from that for a while. Uh, as well as sadism of normalcy. Uh, and jello molds a ghost like Yates for every decade. Uh, fantastic stuff, Don Lunsing. I call Don Long Singer because it seems like what her name really should have been. Um, so I uh, hope you enjoyed that tonight, everyone, uh, as much as I did. And uh, we will now shift to the open mic proper. I don't know why I call it the open mic proper, but I think you know what I mean. Our first reader tonight of the open mic list is Stella Lee, who is not only a former uh, Yacht Pwn Month winner, but uh, just read uh, for our event with High Magazine on Friday. In fact, I met Stella in person for the first time. So that was really cool. Uh, she does exist outside of Zoom. Uh, Stella, go for it. Thank you so much. Um, it was really great to meet everyone in person in the flesh. So this is called Mirage. I keep looking at the way your profile creates quiet in my ears, how your skin glows with thought and the way water escapes its holding place. All of it is slow motion falling. As I break bone, give you pieces of me. This heart wants to find its chorus in your chest. The world keeps spinning. My heart misses again. The tilt makes blues hot, bleeds each beat out of rhythm. Oh, battlefield of unsaid. Sorries, my funny little heart keeps beat. Its timber holds water. Its breath echoes for the caverns of your chest. I still keep myself from touching your face. Punish this heart. Cut out the ways you seem to fit. Marvel at snips of arteries, reattach beauty in the symmetry of ventricles that align with wanting. My shadow lingers as I loosen like wind on your whispers, trick myself into feeling twilight as it steals another day from my reach. There are so many curves and yearning, it makes fingertips burn, nerves die. I envision my tongue soothe your skin, clean the sweat. I hear the bed hum, how bodies are orgasmic because there is heat, friction, like how the earth pulls us closer, wanting you and me dripping the tinge of blue, hue of indigo, wanting with imagination where all those wavelengths cross. And I see my name etched into the folds, fold of your lobe. Where are the electrons attaching, finding more stable ways to open and hold our bodies mixing new molecules, one more pool, one more experiment, one more way 
to mark these memories of feeling, these wishes of meeting, this body consumed by love. Okay, Stella One thing I appreciate about Stella is, aside from the fact that she's a great poet, I feel like she always signs up first. So <laughs> we always have an amazing poem <laughs> to kick off the uh, the open mic proper after the featured reader. So uh, I appreciate that as well. I feel like one day, Stella, you just need to you need to publish a book just to just to your love poems, man. It's just like every damn time you slay the <laughs> love poem. <laughs> That's okay. Good. Also, I found out, uh, maybe, I, I don't know if you're okay with me sharing this, Stella. <laughs> I found out that Stella's husband is a Korean guy, oh, which, yeah, I totally. which, I, which I didn't know. And this is why meeting people in person helps <laughs> sometimes. And uh, I didn't think Stella could get cooler, but she did like by like oh, 20 times. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's, anyway. that's why I've had Korean in my poetry because I'm learning yeah. Korean. I was always wondering, like, why does Stella have so much Korean in her? <laughs> okay, I'm, I don't know why this PDF thing is—it's it's really annoying me. I, I don't know how I can't—I don't have it set up to just go to not automatically to the next page, but I guess I'm just going to have to do it this way instead. <laughs> Our next reader tonight is Diana Kane. Thank you. Um, this poem consists of three parts. So the overall title is Good Fortune. The first part is called In Zohar, and the epigraph comes from Genesis, from the story where Lot and his family are fleeing the burning city, the, the city of Sodom that's being destroyed. And um, the, the epigraph is the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zohar. So Zora is the city they flee to. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. If you have ever been a refugee, even if decades have gone by, even if now you're grateful for your good fortune, for your settled life under the sunny skies in Zor, you do not let yourself go soft. You do not lose the skill of packing swiftly with precision. You do not trust the luxury of carrying anything that's not essential to making it out, across, into a new land. You do not forget the story of Lot's wife. You heed its warning. Do not look back. Do not allow your gaze to stray to what you had to leave behind. If you stumble upon a Google Earth view of a courtyard shaded by two old trees, there were twin maples. In autumn, one would drop crimson leaves, the other lemon yellow. A photograph of a family celebration. An impish tousled child stands on the lap of an indulgent aunt to pick a pastry from a platter. Layers of creamy filling billowing between layers of flaky crumbs. You do not say a word, your face impassive. You stare straight ahead, rigid as a pillar of salt. Second part is called survivor guilt. Um, no, that's not it. 
I can scroll, yeah. And it has also has an epigraph. It's a line from um, a scholarly paper. Paradoxically, the phenomenon is rarely defined and often poorly described. One was destroyed, another left alive and whole enough to heal, even to thrive. What, for lack of a better word, gets called survivor guilt is not. It is a feeling that's not built upon a solid foundation of cause and effect. You acted wrongly, wrongly failed to act. You won by cheating in some vital contest. It is a phantom pain, the non-existence of a contrast, the absence of a difference, be it of substance or of context, that would be relevant and plain, that would, failing to justify, at least explain. And the third part is called Two Turns of Fate. Uh, and again, it has an epigraph, um, Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus, that is inscribed on the Statue of Liberty. Your huddled masses yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. If you have never been a refugee, do not say, I would not have been able to, even if you mean it to express admiration. A refugee is not made of sterner stuff than your own soft, vulnerable core. A refugee is you, yourself, two turns of fate away from where you are now. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing poem, Yana. That was, uh, I don't know, so true, especially this ending. Uh, just cuts to, cuts, to, cuts to my soft, vulnerable core, I have to say. Uh, it was a great insight into uh, really everything. Uh, and I apologize for <laughs> scrolling. This is really driving me crazy, uh, but uh, I hope it didn't interfere with the greatness of the poem. It doesn't seem to have, based on the responses I see in the chat. Uh, okay, our next poet tonight, I also met on Friday at this rooftop event, Cassidy Gabriel. Uh, how are you? I'm great, Jason. It was so nice to be there and like meet some of the people that I've like met in this space. So it was pretty great. Yeah. Also, I should congratulate both Cassidy and Stella for being new Brooklyn Poets Fellows this fall. So. Everyone give them a round of snaps. All right, go ahead, Cassie. Thank you so much. Um, so this poem I actually wrote last month in Joanna Furman's um, workshop uh, for the YAP. And it's funny because I think it, it's almost like topically better suited to tonight's workshop, which was fantastic um, and was about nature poetry. But um, the title and epigraph both come from a blurb that the New York Times posted um, kind of previewing an article about climate change in Sicily. So it was so hot in Sicily this week, perhaps 124 Fahrenheit in one town, that the region's famous snails died in the heat, essentially stopped in their tracks as their feet burned on the ground. They stop and they die. In one hand, your Adam's apple. In the other, grinning bunch of maraschino cherries, sweet, pickled holy, knowledge fruits maybe, 
forbidden, maybe. Please pocket me alongside the milky dish moon and let's run, run round this racetrack to the skeletons that live in melancholy among the green leaves. A snail can live through anything, they say. And I picture hordes of ancient snails, patient and numb with the waiting, bloated with the knowing. A hooded priest performs last rites for a fat, bloodied swan. We will have a repast for this swan. I swear we will. We must. And the longing will be bigger than ever, more dissonant than ever, more delicious than ever. Soft, like the insides of wrists, like the fruits and vegetables, which I hear are going to waste. It is all going to waste. First, the chartreuse dresses, then the straw palm branches, even the teeth gnashing on tires, chomping on children's things. Bodiless hands take an ax to all of these pretty things. And what of the bees, swarm of them, youthful and nodding, who too are numb with the awareness of what has happened here. Thank you, everyone. God, amazing poem. Thank you, Cassidy. <laughs> I'm just, I know I do this every month, but I'm just stunned all over again. Oh man, these poems have just been amazing so far. Uh, I mean, you had me at this epigraph in the New York Times, just chilling. I mean, I guess ironically, it's chilling. Um, wow, I did, I did not see this article or headline. <laughs> so I'm glad, I'm glad you captured it in this poem. Wow. Yeah, I found it. This this poem was untitled, and I found it the day after I came across the tweet. The day after I wrote it, um, so the day yeah. after last month's off, and I was like, "Wow, that yeah, that was <laughs> very meant similar." That was meant to be serendipity. Okay, wow, thank you. Yeah, let's say a prayer for our planet <laughs> right now. Okay, uh, this. Adobe, you're killing me. The scroll. Todd Friedman, how are you living? How are you? Did you watch football yesterday? No, I was camping. Not a football fan anyway. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I thought you were a football fan. Uh-huh. No, anyway. Upstate camping. <laughs> All right, go for it. This is Ruth's marriage. And um, if you're not familiar with the book of Ruth, um, even though it's not mentioned in the poem, you should know that Ruth is a Moabite, a nation uh, alongside what today is uh, Israel was then Canaan. And the epigraph is from Deuteronomy 23.4. No Moabite shall be admitted into the congregation of the Lord. None of their descendants, even in the 10th generation, shall ever be admitted into the congregation of the Lord. You've all read that I uncovered Boaz's feet when he fell asleep on the threshing floor. Now, why would I do that? They just couldn't think of a better euphemism. I can tell you that Boaz jumped straight up, startled in the darkness that there was a woman lying next to him. He recognized my voice and I asked him to marry me. I know it seems crazy, but I didn't even have my green card then and Boaz was a real mensch the way he let me glean in his fields. And I wanted to do everything I could to provide for Naomi. The next day, Boaz went into town and made sure my dead husband's kinsmen with first dibs didn't want me. 
They went out for a drink and the man clinked glasses with Boaz saying, you're doing me a favor, my friend. I don't need another burden. That was the best rejection I ever heard. Then when everyone gathered in the square and gave me the blessings of Rachel and Leah, I was beaming. And later when Obed was born and our women neighbors gave him that name while Naomi cradled him in her arms, my tears were prayers that wouldn't stop flowing. I never knew the taste of salt could have a sweetness all its own. Okay, good as usual, Todd. Thank you so much. Uh, great work. You always have uh, a little humor in the poems and like an, a special perspective all your own. Uh, I'm loving this chat tonight. There have been a lot of biblical references and epigraphs. It really is a night of epigraphs and biblical references. I don't know. It's in the air. Sometimes these yops collect their, their own center of gravity. Um, all right. I'm doing well tonight. I'm feeling good now. Uh, here we go again. Our next poet, let me just make sure I didn't skip anyone, is Seth Leeper. How you doing, Seth? Hey, I'm good, how are you? I'm good, go for it. All right, here we go. This is called Rock Monster, and this is from um, the book I'm writing um, and the passage that kind of like, well, talks about monsters and the monsters could be like a step-parent or nature or whatever, so anyways, Rock Monster. My first seizure occurred the night the rock monster came to town to shake things up. I remember the impact from his heavy footfalls on the black and yellow striped streets shaking our house and our lawn, the goldfish tank in my sister's bedroom, wide bulbous eyes on fat orange gilled bodies, looking out, wondering what was happening. I remember the brown shag carpet in my parents' bedroom where they found me by the foot of the bed, blue-lipped and unconscious, sleeping beauty passed out on synthetic fibers. But I don't remember the panic, the overturned rotary dial phone, cracks in the sidewalks, Cars flipped from the momentum of rock monster steps, or the cheers to jeers to chaos at Candlestick Park, orange facing off with green, spectators tucking under seats to protect their heads, bodies over bodies protecting children and babies, quakes and shocks lifting the world off its feet, exposing dirt, water, bugs, hiding under smooth lined asphalt and trimmed hedges, bay and Golden Gate bridges, swaying packed cars and pedestrians, like amusement park riders on a pendulum. My sitter riding the phone to dial 911. Still, I do remember the black emptiness, the not being of it all, existence in suspension, cognition on pause, then the bright white lights of a hospital room, stiff bed and spotted gown, window view of a parking lot, an itchy scratchy cast autographed by family members, my father in the corner, then by the bed, my mother in the corner, then by the bed, my sister telling me to eat my Cheerios, my inflamed itchy arm flailing up and down while I ordered someone, anyone, to get this thing off, get this thing off, get this thing off. Thank you. Okay, well, what an ending. I was prepared for more, but... Uh... I love that ending, sorry, <laughs> ending that I'm trying to get back to and see. Uh, amazing poem, Seth. 
it first reminded me of Mary Rufel and then it reminded me of Stranger Things. And uh, I feel like the two of them together. I don't know if you, do you know Mary Rufel? Um, I've oh. definitely seen her name on Twitter a lot. I'm gonna have to educate yeah. Thanks for I'm sure you've watched Stranger Things. No. You have not. <laughs> I'm a little jealous because now you can go watch it. You should watch that after this event ends. Uh, I highly recommend it. Get this Thank thing you. off. Get this thing off. Get this thing off. <laughs> That's a great ending. Okay. Thanks very much, Seth. Fantastic okay. stuff tonight. As usual. Our next poet is Kim Bark. Is it Bark or Barky? Um, Barky. Thank you. Barky. All right. Yes. Go for it. The truth bearers. Shellacked with salt from deep mining of fears. Our poet shares armfuls of nature. Each day a repeat of the last. Peering into the fridge of leftover fights. Moldy fruits of kisses. Standing, staring. Avoiding the work. Gaining weight and syllables. <clears throat> landing on errant words. Exploring perfidious depths. Not if the earth is flat. But will she unravel? Can she peel back these distortions without losing her lucidity? How much substance use can she fit on the tip of her toe? How does she handle the rock slide of collar? Give her wine or whiskey and her liver resigns. Glowing hot, leaving traces of tritium on the carpet. Our scientist hugs her child in the hallway. Each day, a repeat of the last. Stealing samples from brains of sentient creatures, peering into the soup of root receptors and monoamine greens, standing, staring, planning elegant attacks, gaining pages and charts, landing on supposition. Not if our mind and brain are one, but where inside this matter are we? Can she find a significant answer? Will she get cancer from the chemicals? Will her childless colleagues publish first? How does she stop thinking about the problem? How vulnerable is the truth in their hands? A baby frog with porous skin is buried by diversion, poisoned by seeping romanticism and assailed by omissions and variability. Our truths are our beliefs verifiable for poems a satisfying sense of correspondence and coherence, another sliver of the greater ideal brought forth. Science with its method tests assumptions, checks results and establishes facts, moth-eaten volumes ignored by sports fans, disrupt what we know at risk of a wrangle. We lost to the Sacklers. We're losing to anti-vaxxers. The truth is a loser. Beliefs unfounded by facts are seductive to some. We accuse education and magical views. All we have is a sentence to declare what is true. Each bearing no variance between belief and the world. Sentential in fact, truth falls over inquiry. Please verify this poem. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. I love that you were unmuted there. That's exactly what I would have said. Uh, yeah, I agree. I love it. Uh, 
a great voice in this poem and it, it just ranges uh i mean in the best way the way that it ranges and i love this ending please verify this poem uh have you read for the open mic before kim no no and i'm so i'm so excited to be here thank you i would agree opportunity to hey, we're happy to have you. thank you uh give it up again for kim for her yop debut that was terrific uh and uh, keep coming back we'll be happy to have you all right uh this has been amazing so far our next poet tonight previous broken poets fellow from the summer sharon de young thank and i just want to start thanking jason and jay for all the work they do to pull this off um Dry drunk at the scratch-offs counter. Seems to be midnight, Saturday night. Too lazy to cook, too hungry to ride it out. I grab a plastic bag, toy with the idea of pulling it over my head. I scoop out the cat litter and carry down three bags of trash. The bodega corner, an explosion of neon color. Graffitied lighthouse, always lit, always a pulse. Most place a safe space of rowdy disagreements, ribbing and workday venting shouts. Usually a handful of congregants bending at the counter altar of scratch offs, daily masses wishing, pleading, pushing pennies for the right numbers, but none at this ghost hour. I order a turkey sandwich, peruse the chips, grab my hemp infused drink, an expensive placebo but it does the trick. Furtively, I eye two skinny young men bedecked in the welcome swampede of weed, biding their time consorting, hoping for new deals. Suddenly by the ice cream cooler, a scream of eyes within a face, a lady of the night trailing, a lone request condom, pants open to her briefs, mascara clawing down savage cheeks, Eyes drowning yet still in fighting stance, ready to push me down if need be, still willing to breathe. Beseeching judgment, I need a belt, they're too big. A spark pleading acceptance, anticipating the gut punch reprisal. There by the grace of my chosen power go I. I get it, I smile. They don't ever, they don't ever flavor, a pause looking back. Okay, have a nice night. Weird to see my alternative reflection when I've been avoiding it, numb to the TV screen for weeks. Later, a man belly full with barley, sleepwalking to the freezers, tight squeeze maneuver, extracting a six pack. The inevitable bottle crashes onto the floor. Mo's son behind the counter, assembling my sandwich, too tired or accustomed to night shadows, silently shakes his head. A skinny black cat emerges from the storeroom, disinterested at saunders away. A disheveled man negotiates a narrow passage past the crips, crisps, finds his chosen ice cream flavor. Familiar shout out to Mo. The change is on the counter. One night at 4 a.m., when I was not yet a day counter, I entered while a woman stood shivering, nervous, and pissed off next to a covered pallet outside. And the guy positioned in front of the counter would quicken my direction, ready to address my presence. I strode to the beer freezers, grabbed two six IPAs. Don't worry, she's cool, the son of Mo said. My new morning order in hand, 
I thrust open the smudge sanctified glass door, a weight loosed from my shoulders. The monkey crawls down to the floor. My exit, a bell ringing outward, hearkening potential for some undefined more. Pleased with my long strides, I imbibe the night's briskness, pixie smelling salts. Too soon, I'm in the sadistically, sadistically lit cell of my building lobby, putrid static, putrid static communicating slow death. Even the opportunist, opportunist moths willfully forsake it. I flee up the stairs like suddenly strong, taken two at a time. This night's mind does not allow for sleeping, but conjures a transfusion of fresh blood sluicing sclerotic veins, a sky full of lightning bugs, jazz pulsing, unconscious display of virility, a moonful crescendo of waves, browsed in parched crags of calcified time later sediments. Extinguished, I'm felled, the sprinkles sputter to life, soothing noise machines, misting the gathering light. Sunday, I'm dusk, a mountain of rags climbing the wall, futile horde of a quilted vision, unraveled without a seam, fevered sheets, deadened shroud, forever bed, her usual, unmade. Maybe someday I will arise with the chorus of sparrow song warming the branches, crack open the fortune cookie of morning and lay my claim on a counter of miraculous persistence. Pay homage to the miniature neon nave, brave a toss of loose change. Hope a chance to glean the orphan wishes of all who've entrusted a glitter of dreams to a fountain. My talisman, amen, a daily again. One day, one day, one day, one day, one day at a time. Oh, thank you, Sharon. That was, that was amazing. Uh, really epic. I uh, just had a, I don't know, like a classic nocturnal POV quality. Uh, I was thinking at times of Allen Ginsberg or uh, even some films I, I know, but I can't think of any specific films, but uh, really took us on a journey there. That was, uh, that was special. Uh, yes. Smudge sanctified door. <laughs> Several people noticed that. Great line. Yeah. And you can look up what dry drunk means. <laughs> if you go to AA meetings, you know. <laughs> okay. I also love this uh, the orphan wishes of all entrusted in glitter of dreams to a fountain. Uh, beautiful stuff, Sharon. Thank you. Um, okay, we're on to our next poet. Uh, correct me if I'm saying your name wrong, please. Is it Navila Nahid? Yes. Thank That's you. it, Navila Nahid? Yep. Yep. Okay, I'm glad I got that right. Uh, is this your first time reading for the op? Yes. All right, everyone Thank give you. her a warm welcome. Thank you. Um, this piece is called Truth. The truth doesn't always set you free. Sometimes it lingers. Sometimes it becomes an embedding, a cigarette burn on wedding dress, packaged and unpacked from generation to generation, a burden burial stitched between ribs of families. Sometimes it's rust, stained in memory, entombed in upholstery, unseen in plain sight as blood, thicker than water, are ties that bind but never freedom. 
Okay, thank you very much. I'm glad you were reading from some other document. You were reading, that poem was happening so fast. So I wasn't even aware it was going by. Uh, lightning quick, I love it. Uh, beautiful work. I'm just gonna go back to the first page so people can see it again <laughs> in a slower scroll so you can appreciate it, the truth. Um, okay, Navila, thanks very much. Uh, Love hearing your work for the first time. Keep coming back. Uh, our next poet is the one and only Harvey Sauce. He's got a letter from Carthage. How you living, Harvey? Did you watch the Jets yesterday? Uh, I watched, actually, I can't watch the Jets anymore. <laughs> I just can't watch the Jets anymore. I did watch Cleveland and Kansas City. Yeah. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> it's a great game until we blow it. <laughs> they're really close. They're yeah, really we're, look, close. we're looking they're good. They're talented. I'm bitter today, but I'm I'm not worried. Which hey, is, look, they, which is an interesting thing for me to feel. Usually bitterness and worry go hand in hand. You know, I'm waiting for OBJ to come back. It should yeah. be interesting. Yeah, he would have helped. All right, man. Uh, uh, find the damn poem here somewhere. Uh, okay. Um, I made some changes to this poem in the last 24 hours, so you might want to listen to them. Uh, just one note, and that is there's a reference in here to the Maghreb, which is the northwestern bulge of, uh, of Africa, uh, where the Atlantic meets the, uh, the Mediterranean. Uh, and, uh, and of course, there's a biblical reference. <laughs> Uh, letter from Carthage. He wrote of subjects he wouldn't talk to us about, of bodies piling up like peanut shells on a barroom floor, crushed underfoot by advancing armies, assuring our mother, before she was our mother, that he'd sifted desert war sand and not found any Keatsian worlds to speak of more peaceful than ours is filling his monogrammed leather journal in a hand inspirited by the nearness of Carthage. Entries to lure her thoughts away from present danger, the second battle of El Alamein towards the second Punic War. When the Carthaginians lost everything except their courage and our interest, Hannibal's elephants, especially in defeat, casting big shade on the triumphant wolves of Scipio Africanus, as if to say, yo, Scipio, dude, let Rome bay while Carthage in ruins accounted a loser endures, preeminent in the hearts and minds of not-so-Rome-centric historians and the romantics among us, poets of a certain bent in theses of Punic War specialists like that hapless football team you wouldn't bet on, but just can't help rooting for. That my father, not yet my father, was a fanboy of Carthage as he was of my mother, dug a foxhole we shared and shared still, our deep love of family and history. In letters and poems she'd never see until his return, he reflected on how he was missing her, on his having gone absent without leave from the Army's medical corps, if only for a few hours, risking brig or firing squad if he was believed to have deserted. 
before he had earned his bronze star, of course, making his journal discovered in a drawer after his death that much more compelling. Day tripping out of his head, guns fallen theatrically silent for a time as had the walkies of generals scouting desert terrain from camo jeeps. Axis and allies respectively planning their next moves. Rommel and Montgomery, a pair of gamers searching for any weakness in their rival's game. My father saw his chance and took it, going AWOL to survey the runes, squatting on a bit of wall. His cursive retelling of city-states facing off across the Mediterranean, interrupted by a call to arms. Around the hip curve of North Africa, battle-weary soldiers fought again, as in the Punic Wars, the Axis's hope for world dominion foundering on Maghreb's shores, in the interludium between tank engagements that raised the value of prosthetic manufacture on the stock exchange with arms and legs flying more often than allied sorties, my father described taste touching a pinch of sand for any hint of Carthage's signature saltiness. A story as he tells it, having legs longer than those of Lot's ex-wife. Thank you. Okay, great stuff, Harvey. Uh, I agree with what Arthur said in the chat. That was one of your best. You wanted to read a different poem tonight, didn't you? Yeah, and actually... <laughs> um, I you read this one. A more Well, but the other one is epic. It, it's a toss-up. <laughs> the other one is epic. It is. <laughs> if you like this one, Jason, <laughs> yeah, that it, other one is even better. Sort of like that. <laughs> uh, I, I really like this one. And uh, you got Rommel in there. You got the word interludium in there, and you seem to have a Jets or Browns reference, which is great. <laughs> and, you even, and you even got a lot in there. Even a lot. Um, yeah, great stuff. And there actually was such a journal that yeah. uh, my father wrote. My uh, father, Ben Awol, to go to Carthage. Exactly yeah. the sort of thing I would have done. I didn't know for <laughs> many years afterwards. Wow. So amazing. Uh, runs in the family, I guess. Yeah. Going AWOL to go to Carthage. <laughs> that's, that's a cool thing. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like a cool thing. I don't know. Runs in the family. It's like better than like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> don't It'd know, be worse. Waiting, just like being a bad person, like running in the family. Fighting in the bottom of the yeah. yeah. I don't know why I love this phrase, squatting on a bit of wall. There's just something about that that's great. Not a hell of a lot of Carthage left. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> One thing right. I should just mention, which I didn't, yeah, neither did you, is that uh, on the 25th, which is the Saturday after this coming Saturday, uh, I'm going to be hosting uh, virtually for, I hope, the last time, uh, the Artful Dodgers Poetry Open Mic. Yeah. And here uh, I was, I thought you forgot to announce it, Harvey. Yeah, no, <laughs> but you have not forgotten. <laughs> no, no, no. Just check, check us out on Eventbrite. I'll have it listed within the next day or two. Just put it put it in the chat so people know. I did. September twenty. Oh, you did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks very much, Harvey. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys can return in person to the uh, Mata Club. Uh, all right. Our next poet. We haven't seen her in a while. Happy to have her back, Rita A. Simmons. How you been? Great. Happy to be here. Yeah. Glad to have you back. Howdy. Okay. So I should start, right? Okay. Poet's Invitation. 
I invite you to enter in. No need to knock, but know this. I expected you long before this house had a door. It was built with you in mind, so step inside. How simple, how neat it all appears. This house has many rooms, some modern, some austere, some for children, grown and small. The couch that doesn't match, I hesitate to trash. Let's keep it in the hall with all your outerwear. Make yourself uncomfortable. A wobbly wooden chair is the perfect place to wonder, what's the point of being here? The ceiling is so high, a living room divine. You've come to trim the tree. Don't set the star inside. What is there to break but bread? There's so much crust to crack. Let's hate to be spoon-fed, but feast beyond our grasp. You want to leave so fast? Red wine, word find, cartoon? It's suddenly embarrassing. I haven't told the truth. Though I love to entertain, I'm not confident at all. It took me days and days to hang a picture on the wall. My closet's full of games, but I can't insist we play. Some pieces have gone missing. Dice were rolled and rolled away. Yet there's boxes full of photographs, baby toys, and books. Memories in disarray are less than understood. In the attic, there's a ghost or a bird that's sound asleep. Go close or else concede that it's nothing but a sheet. I could create nonsensical and build a house of fun or apologize profusely for the floors that need redone. But I'd rather let you wander in the space that's yours to roam. If I try too hard to keep you, you will never be at home. The tour is incomplete, but it's past the time to go. Don't leave without a suite. Keep your pockets full of breadcrumbs for the road. Wow, that's great. That, was, that really was great, Rita. Uh, I love Don's uh, comment here uh, that, yeah, I agree that Bachelard would have, uh, Bachelard would have loved that. Uh, you know that book, The Poetics of Space, Rita? No. Oh, you should buy that tonight. What is it called? It's called The Poetics of Space. It's a French philosopher. It's very much like a poet writes about, uh, literally what the title says, The Poetics of Space, writes a lot about, you know, basically the poetry of uh, the home and dwelling places. Uh, wow, you really captured the, the poem, uh, you know, the metaphor of the poem as a house. I love this, make yourself uncomfortable. <laughs> it's such a great, that really is it. Um, I think that's really what we want in a poem. It's like, we don't want people to be comfortable in a poem. Like we, we want them to make themselves uncomfortable. Like I never thought about it that way, but it's absolutely right. Uh, I also love this, it took me days and days to hang a picture on the wall. Um, man. It's another wall reference. It's like that, that, those lines in Harvey's line about sitting on a bit of wall, squatting on a bit of wall. I don't know what it is about the wall lines tonight. Um, okay. 
Thanks very much, Rita. It's great to have you back. Yes, thank you. It's beautiful. All right, the poet we're happy to have back. We haven't seen her in a while. Madeline Phillips, how's it going? Are you with us? Wait, I'm with you. I'm trying to be seen. Oh, okay. Ooh, Are you having problems with your camera? Is yeah. It... Oh, wait. I think we. No. There you go. Can you Almost. see me? We can. All right. Oh, great. Here I am. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I haven't read since it was in person still. So really excited. <laughs> <laughs> you were holding out for us to <laughs> return. Right? And you're like, okay. I'm I just never take, sign up at the right time. <laughs> and I didn't think it would happen this week. And I was so overjoyed this weekend when I was like, oh, I get to read. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we're overjoyed too. Okay, and I will just say this poem is named after a text message. I am wishing for a great summer for you. Mid-July finds me at the New York Botanical Garden. Thirsty lilies curl in on themselves like dead spiders, pistol and stamens sticking out like pedipalps and spinnerets. Suddenly I think of how your upper back would collapse whenever you would sigh or sing, and I wonder how you are holding up in this heat. Do you run until you are covered in salt? Are your freckles on fire? Did you get to keep custody of your kid? A solitary wasp shelters itself inside a yellow nasturtium. I want to shrink myself to its size so I can drown in a dewdrop. The air is still like your voice over the phone when you told me you were imploding. A sign says the hydrangeas I see all over the city are called all summer beauty. Their colors confess the pH of the soil. Pink is basic. Some of them blush between hues. I wonder if the person who planted those ones was going through a hard time because I know tears are acidic in the morning and alkalize as the day wears on. The all summer beauties boast big heads in the high noon sun, but they cannot hide a thing. Neither can I. If I were a hydrangea, the acid in my stomach would make me blue all summer long. I do not think this feeling will drop down and die. I will be here come winter, parched, faded, waiting. Wow, I feel like we've been, I feel like we've been parched, faded, and waiting for that poem all this time that you haven't, that you haven't been uh, you know, often with. That was amazing. Thank just, you. Yeah, that just felt like I don't know. It just felt like a classic New York poem, New York love love poem. I think it's yeah, it's a love poem. Yeah, all love poems. <laughs> uh, I like how all summer beauty comes back as all summer long towards the end. It's, it's it's almost like O'Hara cross with Dickinson a little bit. I don't know why I feel that. Maybe you She's like those poets. I, I do. <laughs> I do like those poets. Glad they're sinking in. Yeah. <laughs> the air is still like your voice over the phone when you told me you were imploding. Man. All right. The poets are bringing it tonight. Thank you, Madeline. Is it Madeline or Madeline? It's Madeline, like the little French girl. 
<laughs> if we were in person, I would just say like, think the smallest one is Madeline because I'm four foot 11, but no one knows that except I told them. So, all right. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to make a note for the podcast. Um, I've probably made that note before and I forgot. All right. Thanks very much, Madeline. Our next poet tonight is Danielle Gasparro, who always sends me a selfie, which is great. <laughs> usually, with, usually with a drink in hand, which is yes, also great. Not a problem. <laughs> My pleasure. How are you doing tonight? Good, thanks. All right. Always go good with it. you guys. Okay. I'm going to read from my own document. Full circle. As I lean forward to kiss the tip of the nose of this equanimous creature who just carried me inside the cradle crescent of his back for three hours, the weight of my bones burdening his as four rusted talismans nailed to his hooves took on hillside after hillside, creek after creek, broken meadow after hinterland trail, and then finally that wide dirt road, all so that we'd end up right back here, here inside this sun-spoked barn, a stone's throw from a rooster's comb, no fertile plains settled, no cavalry sieged, just me and showdown, dustier versions of ourselves, but just us standing here, back where we started. I can't help but think of my mother and of my father. And before I even have the chance to wonder why they come to mind, I am lifted onto that pony in Wildwood, New Jersey. And I am four. And the man with the camel hump hat who took the money is barely holding the rope just ahead of us as we pulse. Three times around is all we get. So I will savor the third time especially. The boardwalk rides in silhouette, the sky both blue and orange, the shore, the stars, the crescent moon. And as we make our final circuit, hands grasping the saddle horn, cantle securing my back, with a smile that may never be duplicated, I trot back towards my parents who are sitting and watching from the white wooden fence, dad beneath pony, mom beneath rides, just like last summer, they sit and they wait for me to return with my tale. Only what I don't know is I leave the best part out, the turn that is some distant day away, some tour leg when I'm 40 and unsure about the rent. It's great to feel your passion. Keep going. How lucky to be doing what you love. From the nods of the voiceless boy wheeled backstage, the blind woman's claps in the packed cafe, the wink of the man who took the money. And as he lifts me off the saddle, I close my eyes and here I am settled once again inside this golden barn. Here inside this sanctum, I may never enter again. I tender my lips to this bridled being and so to a heart 15 times the size of mine and with a gratitude too vast for even the Black Hills of South Dakota, I whisper, thank you, and tell Showdown, I will see him again, as particles of matter glisten and orbit in the sun's last ray of the day, the way they might do in the gleam of a movie projector or a searchlight. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. That was, uh, that was something, Danielle. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm speechless. It, it's just a beautiful, elegiac poem. It really just has this, mm. it has a warm, romantic heart with a gratitude too vast for even the Black Hills of South Dakota. <laughs> Give me chills. I'm touched by your touchingness. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Uh, wow. Thank you. It much. is. It is sort of an elegy because my, both of my parents yeah. have passed. So for whatever that's worth, that's touching in a way to me. That yeah. You, that, yeah. I didn't know that, but I. I've I wonder if it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank uh, you all. Well, thank you very much for this. Thank you. Okay. Um, Wow, I mean, this, this feels like a really, really peerless reading. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, mean, I always enjoy myself with the yacht, but uh, I'm really enjoying myself tonight. Uh, Will Kiever, uh, back again. I think you read for us for the first time last month, and uh, we're happy to have you back. I did. Uh, thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. All right, go All right. for it. Uh, moon Twin Shadows in the Dappled Summer. In the painter's eye, we see the milky pond. The sword seller was always an act of bedazzles and perfunctory tempo. I can't see the buoyancy of sci-fi just yet, but the luck is fluctuating again. As the neon stallions and lead plates stack up, the forge walls seem to be accumulating the clay, precipitating like it's flush like a band of high-born desert tourniquets who vowed they'd brush adamantium in Ibiza. To bloom through like a purple crocus in a cynic spring, a reforming peasant looks through the shades of jaded quarries to find the way back to dairy farm country. It took some circles, but the rust is showing its luster. The berries in the land of cotton candy totems and velvet rucksacks can again be carefully picked to keep piecing together this petaled forest. Okay, thanks, Will. A beautiful lyric poem. Uh, remind me, so yeah, you have your inspirations here. Remind me a little bit of Wallace Stevens. I don't know if you like Wallace too. This line in particular. A band of highborn desert tourniquets who vow they brushed adamantium at Ibiza. That's like classic Wall Stevens sound. Do you know Wall Stevens? No, I'll uh, write it down. There you go. I'm jealous of you, just like I'm jealous of whoever hadn't watched Stranger Things. Seth, I can't believe you haven't watched Stranger Things. <laughs> Buy that tonight. So many people are going to have these amazing aesthetic experiences. Uh, Poetics of Space. Who do we recommend that to? I can't remember. Who wrote the poem about that? Oh, Rita <laughs> gets to read Poetics of Space. All right, well, enjoy Wallace Stevens. <laughs> Great poem. Uh, our next poet tonight. Wait, hold on. Rosa Smith. Great friend of Brooklyn Poets. Great friend of hey. mine. Many of you may not know this. Rosa was the original host of the Brooklyn Poets Hamptons Retreat. Back in the day, her and her husband, Tony. Happy to have you back for the Yop, Rosa. Hey, Jason. Good to be here. Um, Is Tony in the house? Yeah, Tony, yes. Tony's here. <laughs> I thought I heard him. <laughs> yeah, he's here. Hi, Jason. What's up, man? 
<laughs> Everything. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see Great, you. Great, man. It's good to hear all this. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's been... Things, things have grown, Jason. <laughs> Does your shirt say 2030? Yeah. 2030 or bust is about citizens standing up to take a stand to move the needle on climate change. Perfect for okay. tonight's workshop. Yeah, that's like, true. 2030 or bust. Okay, yeah. you can Google that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, shall I read now or, or what? Yes, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> or we gotta be, talk about 2030 or bust. No, no, um, okay, so actually this one has two, um, two epigraphs in it. Um, I, I call it discernment for Ellie. I live my life in widening circles that reach out across the world. Raina Marie Rilke, but consider the hover choices made, the moment between later and too late. Alice P. Fogel. The moment between later and too late can be as dense as fog on the shores of the Atlantic coast around Montauk Point, with which I am not personally familiar, but the light on the hither side of the Ponquag Bridge might be as good a place as any to describe such a phenomenon. Who am I? How do I live my life? Choices I make now will affect what might happen between later and too late. Do I live life in circles or squares or triangular shapes? Rilke said that he lives his in widening circles. My little granddaughter has some new puzzles. Each is made of three pieces of wood. Circles within circles, triangles within triangles, squares within squares. So far, she has not figured out how to fit them together, but she's getting there. I hope she will choose to live her life in ever widening circles as she paddles forth with love in her wake. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Rosa. It's a beautiful You're welcome. Home. Thanks. I love I love this moment, the moment between later and too late. Uh, yeah, truly profound. Did I do I know the Ponquag Bridge? Isn't that near the? Yeah, uh, actually, you do. House? That is a reference. <laughs> that is a reference to Hampton Bays, where the, the yeah. where the um, uh, the first the first whatever number of retreats were held. Yeah. Um, just on that. on on the bridge to the ocean. Yes. You Good times in that house. Lots of great poems in that house. Lots of great meals <laughs> made by yeah, Tracy Ford. Yeah, Miss Tracy, yeah. Yeah, her new book is, her first book is coming out very soon. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, she's doing well. Great to have you back, yeah. Rosa. And Thanks, uh, great, great to see you, you and Tony. Yep, thank you. 2030, everyone. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, Jason. We're gonna cause a coup. <laughs> yes, a coup d'etat. Mm -hmm. my nickname in high school um has ollie showed up che do you know no he has not okay well that's sad ollie's a great poet uh we'll do a slow scroll <laughs> we can appreciate his work in passing check out ollie uh he's a good broken poet student looks like a really interesting poem uh our next poet tonight is is it Josveen bindra Am I getting that right? You got that right. Okay, great. Is this your first time at the Yelp Open Mic? Yes, first time. Okay, welcome. 
Thank you, Jason. Go for it. All right, this is called uh, A Piece of the Moon. We met over a lonely planet guide that had seen better days. We circled Barcelona and Istanbul with our homework blunted pencils. We contemplated the world outside our lives while staring out of dusty windows in New Delhi. We pored over texts on the Indus Valley civilization while practicing our splits. We downward facing dog by the Mughal ruins in Lodi Garden. We search for narrow corridors in middle school basements, perfect for imperfect pirouettes. We were pre-cynical and pre-ironic and did not care about the difference between travelers and tourists. We rode bicycles through labyrinthine lanes of Spanish neighborhoods and packed picnic baskets for lazing away the hours by the banks of the Seine. We are separated by rivers and mountains and nations and seasons and latitudes and 9.5 hours and a sliver of apathy. When I smell yoga mats in a crowded class in New York, I think of us. When I drink pamplemousse, apple-flavored vodka, ginger cardamom chai, and mediocre white wine with cheese spread and nothing to spread it on, I think of us. When I taste rum-soaked strawberry pies or butter-soaked clams, hastily assembled fajitas and egg parantas from under a bridge, I think of us. When I wonder about the number of tomatoes in a pound, I think of us buying vegetables from a street vendor in Bombay and getting conned. When I see a broken-in pair of jazz shoes or regret the fading scars on my feet, I think of the hours we spent in a room full of mirrors, dreaming of a moment on the stage when I dream about everything that is possible and everything that no longer is. I think about that note in my yearbook. If the illusions start to fade, sing Stand By Me and remember the time we invented awesomeness. When I put my hand in my pocket and feel a piece of the moon, I think of when we danced on the stars. When everything is perfect and nothing is the same, I think of you, my huckleberry friend. I think of the original drifters now standing still. Thank, Thank you. you, Josephine, that was beautiful. I feel like your, your poem crystallized for me why tonight feels, I don't know, tonight feels singular. I feel like uh, there's something about tonight that feels pre-cynical and pre-ironic. I don't know, I feel like in everyone's poem tonight. Uh, that's why I have this, I have this warmth in my heart I don't usually do. <laughs> I just feel like I live my days in this nihilism and cynicism and just hopelessness. <laughs> tonight, I don't feel that tonight. Uh, I was in Paris this summer and uh, I love this line about the packed picnic baskets blazing away the hours by the banks of the Seine. I feel like it, I, it, I only realized like like a few days before to leave, we were about to leave that like everyone just hangs out on the Seine at night. And I was just spending like thousands of fucking euros buy, buying dinner. And like everyone else is just like hanging out by the Seine, it's like a bottle of wine and a baguette. And I was like, I should have been doing this the whole freaking time. Yeah, that's uh, a vibe. And I'm like, oh, you can save a lot of money doing yeah it really was amazing when i saw 100 people out there um uh, great stuff Josephine. Oh, this line about stand by me is just fantastic <laughs> solutions did you, did you really write that in your yearbook or did somebody else write that i somebody else wrote it and i picked it off from there 
I need to be friends with that person. So uh, connect me with them on Instagram or something. <laughs> I need that person in my life. I try to remember this line. Remember the time we invented awesomeness. All right. Thanks very much, Josephine. That was great. Keep coming back. Our next poet is no stranger to you, regulars. Frank Rubino from New Jersey. How you living? Hello. How is everybody? I'm good. Where's your Where's your fancy background? You know, i i got um, I got messed up with a. I don't think this is my actual Zoom account, and I was afraid to sign out and sign back in because I wouldn't get back into the yop or something. I, I don't know. You know. I think you're up so there. I'm just putting up with we're putting up with real life here, but um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this poem um called Rubber Mallet. And I'm going to leave a stanza out, which is great because it'll it'll go faster. Because um, I've been sort of looking at it and I think I think it's better without. So uh, since I sent it in. So here it is, um, rubber mallet. My daughter moved in with my ex on Fullerton. Their elevator's broken, so I have to walk up five flights. I carry a red husky tool bag with a battery-powered screwdriver by Rigid and a hexagonal wrench set. I think these are the right tools for the IKEA bed she asked me to put together. I carry a shopping bag, clothes she ordered, delivered to my house. One year I gave her an orange bike wrapped in a roll of Christmas paper. I had lost my new wedding ring and found it in the car when I wrestled that bike to bring it inside. I'm happy walking to their building door, through the garden with the benches, with a red husky tool bag and a shopping bag too with clothes she ordered. My daughter moved out of my house and I haven't seen her for weeks. Sometimes I feel like tomorrow's going to be a day that already passed and that fills me with hope. The landlord taped a sign on the elevator door. We are working to provide you with a more modern elevator experience. I remember drinking coffee from a white styrofoam cup to comfort my bones of a morning and straighten my head for the job. My daughter got kicked out of my house and moved in with her mom on Fullerton. You smell good, she says, taking her shopping bag. I carry a red husky tool bag with a battery operated screwdriver by Rigid and a hexagonal wrench set. I think these are the right tools for the Ikea bed you asked me to put together. The bed frame came with its own wrenches and for banging metal struts into its rails, a custom rubber mallet. We wrestled the frame and pounded it with the mallet. I want to try to explain to you how much I miss her. She would come to me always in the morning and sit in the soft chair in which so far, two cats have died and tell me she felt bad. I wanted her to feel good, like when she used to run. And I'd repeat my therapist, the goal is to have an excellent life. Her petty crimes were of no interest to the cops beyond them saying, get some help. She felt despair over her stealing. I told her, you have to work on honesty saying what you mean. Now she sleeps on an Ikea bed in her mother's living room in a parallel 
ethical realm where she may do so-called good things, but they serve her own ends, which remain secret. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. Another beautiful pre-ironic, pre-cynical poem. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the, that's the vibe tonight. Uh, it occurred to me as you're reading this poem that uh, you write really well about your daughter. I don't know if you've noticed that yourself. I've got a lot of daughter poems, I do. Yeah. I got a uh, few son poems too, though. <laughs> and some cat poems also. And a lot of backyards and birds. Yeah. <laughs> so there's my life. But I think you peak with your daughter. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I tell Arthur Russell that Arthur Russell writes really well about his father. And then he started writing a lot of really good mother poems. <laughs> now you'll probably write a bunch of son poems to make up the make up the gap. <laughs> Just to be contrary, you know. Yeah. I'm post, uh, I'm post ironic. <laughs> um, that was beautiful, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, now everyone's going to try. Now, if anyone's going to be ironic, everyone's going to get mad. <laughs> um, Okay, I don't think I don't think Sam was ironic. <laughs> Samantha Marin, another new Brooklyn Poets fellow, former student of mine, fantastic poet. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I had a day off today. That was nice. Yeah. You yeah. sound good. You sound like you had a day off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. I had like an impromptu bachelorette party the night before. So that sounds it like a good impromptu party. To have. <laughs> it was good. It, the timing was great. Um <laughs> So this poem, um, I just have a trigger warning. It does talk about uh, childhood domestic violence. What's left of the charm of my necklace is idle. This charm, this chain is so they can tell me how beautiful the gold looks around my neck. Ask me who I got it from. Their praise, your promise, cleaved me into two halves. One that was pummeled into respectable lady paste one that once received something new to me and old and precious to you. I was small and awaited a wooden jewelry box, safety in something lined with something soft. But we have something in our family that builds up like yammy in the corners of sleepwalking eyes. Autophagia is a tradition. We compulsively steal away with the tender parts. Daddy, with a smile, you wrapped your fingers around the throat you adorned. Rage trampled through my fields, then stopped short to smell a violet. Can you remember what my fear smelled like? These days, I can't look you in the eyes for too long. Behind them spins a weather vane. The winds are coming in from the past, hot and heavy and fast. Instead, won't you give me your smallest hand and join me on the grass to watch our shame drift away? Thank you. Wow, Sam, that was amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah, definitely not ironic. So there's no, no threat of that. Uh, really a powerful poem. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything else. Um, I think you all know. Uh, thanks very much, Sam. Congrats again on winning a, a fellowship. It's very proud of you. 
Thank you so much, Jason. And congrats to um, all the other fellowship winners. And I'm so excited. All right. Um, Where'd you go in your bachelorette party, by the way? I just had to ask. Oh, okay. So we were going to, it was just, my friend just called and said, hey, I'm in town because it was previously canceled because of the Delta variant. Um, So we went to comedy at the Knitting Factory. They have a great comedy on Sunday nights. It's true. Um, and then we went to a wine bar. And then we did karaoke at Sing Sing in a private room until 3.30 a.m. Yeah, it looks like March. you're trying to remember <laughs> the sequence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and then we got pizza at Ray's. So I didn't go to sleep until 4 a.m. And I have not Sounds done a night like, like that. that. Yeah. In a long time. Yeah, I bet. Sounds like a great night. It was great. That sounds like a great sequence. I'm gonna try to. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to have a night exactly in that order. I want to hear all about it. <laughs> yeah, that was a well curated night. Whoever put that together. <laughs> okay, uh, we are down. I think to two poets. Uh, our next poet is Lisa Catcher. Hi. Uh, is this your first time reading with us, Lisa? I can't yeah. remember. It yeah. is. All right. Well, welcome. Thank you. Um, the content warning of uh, suicide. Um, strays. I found her, my mother, tucked into herself on the blue bedspread. She was done with that body, had left it cocooned in her seal slick suede coat, belt tied around her birth giving balloon of soft stomach, her eyes closed like the eyes of my baby doll, Janie whose lids slid down over the glass globes of her eyes when I put her to sleep. Daughter of a suicide, mother of a doll. I was 13 when she said into the air we shared that once she was so lonely, she picked up a guy, just some guy, some night. I imagined her walking late at night downtown in her suede coat that was made to be touched yet was too skimpy that winter. My mother looking for a man to love her. She walked the broken up paths of the then wild park, passing deeper into the trees. She must have been afraid to be driven so deep by need. She must have been brave to want like that, tightening her belt to defend her waist, passing the carousel horses frozen in place and covered for night. Did she wonder where the soft furred creatures slept, the brittle bone swallows, the stray children, those who are left to find and persist? Uh, Thank you, Lisa. It's a beautiful poem, heartbreaking poem. Um, Thank you very much for sharing that. It's haunting in that first stanza in particular. Um, Thanks for joining us tonight. I hope you keep coming back. Thank you. Did I say your name right, by the way? Is it Lisa Catcher? Yes, it is. Thank Great. you. Um, I believe this is our last reader. <laughs> He's had a lot of trouble joining our Zoom this month. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, I'm trusting him to be pre-ironic and pre-cynical. To no, I'm not. I don't know where this falls on the uh, cynical and ironic scale. His poem is trying out for a place in the manuscript I'm working on with Jade Spande in the mentorship program. So here goes. 
<clears throat> Counting stairs. Oh, I wanted to say thank you to Dawn. Um, though I couldn't get my act together uh, during the, the writing period before, I really found that really very useful. And she should look forward to hearing my letter to a shipbuilder in Ephesus in the time of Paul the Apostle in the near future. This one's called Counting Stairs. The number of stairs between the first floor and the landing has changed. There were 10. Now there are nine. You wonder who to complain to. You actually look over your shoulder. That's normal. When a stair goes missing between the first floor and the landing, you wonder who's in charge. No one is in charge. Be happy that you can still get to the second floor, that you don't step off into a void. If you're lucky enough to meet a woman, convince her to go home with you and come upstairs, she won't notice. The stairs appear the same as always. Creak, railing, paint drips, same. She'll look at you, she'll look up at you with a smile as you turn to look back at her mid-flight. Your soft face and petitioning eyes will reassure her, everything is fine. And the nagging thought that a stare is missing will distract you when you get excited during sex. You'll count the stairs again as you go down to make breakfast. Nine, you'll hear the shower come on, Take a mental inventory of the towel situation, the toilet situation, both fine. She'll move around the bedroom. You'll like hearing how your house plays her melodies like someone new on the piano at the Village Vanguard. When she comes down again, you'll count again. Your last thought before she enters the kitchen with that luminous face and wet, unbrushed hair will be nine. You'll get the shoe boxes after she leaves. That means looking at photos of your wife and daughter. You've practiced passing over that hard place. There's a photo with your daughter and three girlfriends sitting on the stairs on her eighth birthday. They're wearing pink hairbands with spring and foam ball antennas. As you expected, there are 10 steps, not nine. You'll go into the living room and count again, nine. You count the stairs in the photo, 10. You climb the stairs holding the photo like a GPS, trying to figure out which step is missing, but none is. There are just fewer than before. Uh, thank you, Arthur. Thank you, Jason. It's a great way to close the night. Definitely pre-ironic and pre-cynical. <laughs> and uh, thank you for that uh, vote of pre-ironicism. <laughs> and uh, brings us back to the house. Uh, house is a kind of metaphor. Uh, I remember this poem. I've seen this poem before. Yes. So this is this is in that book manuscript. Yes. It's it's yeah. It's it's petitioning yeah. to stay there. <laughs> it should. So, so I'm going to copy like the it. chat at the end and see what it says. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. Um, maybe that sounded neutral, but <laughs> like I meant that in the most enthusiastic way, which was to say that uh, returning to the poem, uh, you know, I, I think I liked it even more than before. Um, 
practice passing over that hard place. Man, all you poets killed it tonight. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Uh, this is beautiful. So uh, let's review. First, I'm going to put the uh, number. I've already gotten a couple votes <laughs> to vote for Poem of the Night, 718-374-1953. Just text me the poet's name. That is enough. Uh, you don't need to remember the title of the poem because there's only one poem. Uh, you just heard from Arthur Russell, Counting Stairs. Before that, uh, we heard from Lisa Catcher, Strays. Before Lisa, we heard from Samantha Marin. What's left of the charm on my neck? My on my necklace is idol. Before Samantha, we heard from Frank Rubino, Rubber Mallets. Before Frank, we heard from Jasmine Bindra, A Piece of the Moon. Before that, we heard from, oh, we did not hear from Holly Rodriguez. Uh, before that, we heard from Rosa Smith, Discernment for Ellie. Before Rosa, we heard from Will Kiever, Moon Twin Shadows in the Dappled Summer. Even that title, Will, is kind of Wall Stevens-like. <laughs> I think you're really gonna like Wall Stevens. Before Will, we heard from Danielle Gasparo, Full Circle. Before Danielle, we heard from Madeline Phillips, I am wishing for a great summer for you. Before Madeline, we heard from Rita A. Simmons, Poets Invitation. It's gonna be hard to choose tonight, folks. Uh, before that, Harvey Sauce, Letter from Carthage. Before Harvey, we heard from Navila Nahid, Truth. Before that, we heard from Sharon DeYoung, I'm pretty sure this is, yes, Sharon DeYoung, Dry Drunk at the Scratch-Offs Counter. Great title, by the way, Sharon. Before that, we heard from Kim Barkey, The Truth Bearers. Before Kim, Seth Leeper, Rock Monster. Enjoy Stranger Things, Seth. Before Seth, we heard from Todd Friedman, Ruth's Marriage. Before Todd, Cassidy Gabriel. It was so hot in Sicily this week, perhaps 124 Fahrenheit, one town. Uh, you know the rest, it's a haunting title. Uh, before that, Yana Kane, terrific poem, Good Fortune three-part poem for Yane. I think we were all the way back to the beginning now. Stella Lee with Mirage. And before that was Dawn. Uh, you can't vote for Dawn. I mean, you can. It's free country. You can do what you want. But uh, she's not technically part of the open mic since she's the feature. Um, thanks again to our readers. This was truly, uh, I mean, I'm just going to say it's one of my favorite open mic nights. It just I can, I can feel it when it's memorable. You know, and there's been a lot of memorable open mics. But this has been, this has been a special one. Uh, thank you to Don Lunsinger uh, for uh, reading a beautiful poem tonight to kick this all off and leading a great workshop and I think really centering us in nature and uh, everything we should be centered in and, and are usually not. Uh, so thank you again to Don. Uh, I don't know if anyone's registered for that last senior workshop because I haven't checked my email, but uh, if it's not taken yet and you're still interested, you should register because uh, you're going to have a great time with Don starting on Wednesday night. Um, let me stop screen sharing for a second. Let's make my last couple announcements. So we will be back on Monday, <laughs> the second Monday of October. That is October 11th, uh, which is Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, Star Davis, I'm sure all of you know, or not all of you, but most of you know who she is, will be leading that uh, YAP workshop and uh, kicking off that open mic. If you've heard Star Davis's poems before, you know you don't want to miss that one. And a final reminder, uh, this Sunday, September, uh, what day is that? September 19th 
is our next craft lab with Jada Spande on uh, the speaking eye of poems. It's going to be a great workshop. Great craft. Sorry, it's not a workshop. It's a craft lab. Three-hour craft lab. Uh, still time to sign up. And uh, if you want to request financial aid, there's still time to do that as well through this Friday, September 17th. Uh, if you don't know Jada Spande, it's uh, one of the best teachers out there. So you won't be disappointed by this craft lab, I assure you. Um, I think that is all. Uh, we what maybe one final announcement. We are hoping to have our next Brooklyn Poets Reading Series event on Wednesday, September 29th at BPL. Uh, we are waiting to hear if we have the go ahead to do that in person. Uh, they are discussing it internally. We thought we'd be doing it in person, but apparently it's up in the air now because of, I think, some concerns about Delta. But uh, if we don't do it in person, we'll do it on Zoom. Uh, that's going to be a great reading. Um, I'm suddenly blanking on, on who is reading that night, but I know that Adrian Matika is reading. Oh, and Michael Chang, as well as who is a third poet, Carly Hoffman, who taught uh, some workshops for us this summer. So uh, come out for that if you can, if it's in person, if not, join us on Zoom. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, thanks again to all the readers, special stuff tonight. And uh, we will see you in October. Be well and stay safe. All right, there you have it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for September 13th, 2021. Thanks to our brilliant professor Don Lunzinger for leading a great workshop on nature poetry in truly unnatural times. This was a uh, kind of a snapshot workshop of the workshop she is currently leading. That's uh, a seven week workshop on nature poetry. Uh, it's called Nature Poetry in Unnatural Times. Um, Don will also be leading another workshop later this fall that will meet in person, actually, in her beautiful apartment at Greenpoint. Uh, that workshop starts on October 31st, Halloween, and it is on poetry and painting. So if you're interested in that subject and you are vaccinated, you can register for that workshop. I think there's still four or five spots left, so it's about half full. Uh, congrats to longtime Yopper Yana Kane for her beautiful poem, Good Fortune, which won Yop Poem of the Month in September by audience vote. Uh, Yana came to the U.S. at 16 as a refugee from the Soviet Union and has done very well in the United States. And uh, add to her long list of achievements, winning Yacht Poem of the Month in September. Um, we had a great Brooklyn Book Festival yesterday. It was great to be out in person uh, in Borough Hall to see a lot of you, see a lot of friendly faces, sell a lot of swag and books. Uh, our next yop is on October 11th. Unfortunately, it's not in person, but it will be on Zoom, which is cool because that way Star Davis, who lives in Ohio, uh, will be able to lead that yop. And Star is great, as many of you know who have heard her read her poems before. She will be leading a workshop on poetic voice, which will be a preview of the five-week workshop she'll be teaching on Poetic Voice for Book of Poets starting on October 24th. Still time to register for that. I think there's two or three seats left on that one. 
that workshop and Don's workshop and poetry painting are the last two fall workshops that we have that are not sold out yet. So if you are interested in listening to this, you should sign up as soon as possible. Again, October 11th, our next yacht with Star Davis on Zoom starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. One last announcement, our next craft lab is coming up in just a couple of weeks on Sunday, October 17th, 4 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be led by the uh, wonderful Angel Nafis, who many of you know. Uh, Angel taught at our Hamptons retreat a few years back and is just an all-around extraordinaire of everything. <laughs> Poet, curator, editor, so on and so forth, teacher. Um, yeah, still time to register for that. You can register early through October 10th. Get $15 off, and if you need financial aid, you can request that through October 15th. That is all the announcements I have for now. I hope you are doing well. I hope you've gotten vaccinated. Go Browns! <laughs> and uh, we will see you next time for our October yacht. All right, that's it. Stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>